0: Hello, and welcome to Harlan First and Monroe Chapel United Methodist Church's Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Mike Agnew, and it's good to have you tuning in. Well, here we go, folks. It's Christmas. I know things may look different. In fact, everything looks different this year. But nonetheless, we have good news to share. Because Christmas is about the birth of Christ, the best gift, the best news that humanity has ever received. The amazing thing is that the birth of Christ was nothing like any of the traditional elements of our Christmas celebrations. There were no flashy lights or church services. There were no extravagant presents other than the wise men. There was no special foods, not even a home to celebrate in. Mary and Joseph quite honestly, probably wouldn't have been able to have had a decent Christmas celebration if they had lived in our day because they were poor enough that they wouldn't have had the money to buy gifts. During this Advent season, we've been looking at the Christmas story, looking at different themes of the Advent candles and talking about the good news of the season. But another theme that keeps coming up over and over again is humility. We've learned that God chose a small-town girl from Nazareth, a town of only a couple hundred people. Who knew that from such a small town would come the mother of the Savior of the world? She was confused at first when the angel called her and told her that she was going to be the mother of Jesus, but eventually she accepted God's call. Joseph came from Bethlehem, a town of about 500 people. He was a carpenter or a builder, and he wasn't rich, but he had enough to get by. He had enough. But when he found out that Mary was pregnant and then learned from a messenger of God in a dream that it was the Messiah, he obeyed God and got married to Mary. But because the government wanted money, not a big surprise, Mary and Joseph had to travel 10 days in her ninth month of pregnancy to get to Bethlehem. You see the government was doing a census for tax purposes, and everybody was supposed to go to their hometown, and since Joseph was the man, that meant they both had to go to his hometown, Bethlehem. So, you know, you can only imagine what they must be thinking. Really, God? You're gonna have us have to travel 10 days to get to Bethlehem? I mean, by car, it certainly doesn't take that long, but They would have been traveling on foot or by animal. Now, usually we picture Mary riding on some kind of animal, but there's nothing that says that she did. Could have been a combination of both, but I don't care. Even if you're riding on an animal, that's not going to be a very comfortable ride, especially in the third trimester of pregnancy towards the very end. I'm sure that Mary probably assumed that she would be giving birth in her own town, surrounded by her family, but no. So they go on this 10-day journey to get to Bethlehem. And then, as if things couldn't get any worse, when they arrive there, that's when it's time to go into labor, which they probably honestly assumed that they wouldn't get back home before she went into labor anyway. But now it's time to go into labor when there's no room, when people are crowded in for the census. You know, you can't just go to your... Joseph couldn't just go to his family's house. They have a bunch of family staying there, and they need privacy. So where do they go? They end up in a stable. They end up on a place for animals. And when they have the baby, they have to place him in a feeding trough, a place from which animals eat, a manger. (laughs) You can probably... Imagine what kinds of things are going through their mind as all of the events of that first Christmas day are playing out. Certainly not as they'd planned, that's for sure. This is certainly not the way we would have planned it either. Most of us would have given this more thought. We'd arrange for the parents, first of all, to be people who were already married and have some experience raising children. Perhaps we would interview different parents to see who might be the best parents for Jesus. But if we did choose Mary and Joseph, we would make sure Mary didn't have to travel, certainly in her third trimester, for crying out loud. And we'd also make sure that she was in the presence of some helpful family members or even some doctors during the birth in case anything went wrong. But no, that's not how the first Christmas was. God had it all planned out. God chose a stable and a feeding trough instead. He chose people that the rest of society does not get along with or necessarily want to associate with. He chose Mary and Joseph. He chose the shepherds. He chose the wise men from the Zoroastrian faith. He wanted to give us a message. He wanted to communicate, meaning God. God wanted to communicate that he favors the lowly, the poor, the oppressed, and Jesus has come to set them free. Good news indeed. We learn from this story that God doesn't necessarily favor the high and mighty. In fact, he seems to prefer working with the humble and the willing, whatever their income might be. Now, after Jesus was born, as I said, God announced the birth to some night shift shepherds. Again, humility is the theme. The shepherds were certainly not highly esteemed especially because sometimes they would graze on other people's land. And yet the shepherds are the first ones the angels announce Christ's birth to. You know, you would think that they would maybe share the news with some more influential people, you know, some kings and queens and politicians and celebrities, you know. Of course, they didn't have celebrities back then in the same way, but you know what I mean. They would have announced it, you would think, to people of influence, but no. It's announced to some shepherds working at night. And after receiving the news, the shepherds leave their sheep and they go to Bethlehem to see what what this is, to see if this is true, what the angels are talking about. And they visit Jesus. They see the baby lying in the manger. They go and talk to Mary and Joseph, telling them what they've experienced. Because remember, they had an angel come to them announcing the news and then a choir of angels singing. No doubt Mary and Joseph were amazed at this. And then eventually, the shepherds go back, praising God and going back to work. I don't think the Christmas story would have been possible without the humility of the people involved. That's because whenever God wants to get something done, he works through us. But we have to be willing to obey in humility. A proud, haughty attitude will not work. This is something that's good for us to learn because God is willing to is call, sorry God is calling us to do his work in our world and the only way to respond is with a humble faith. We celebrate the birth of Jesus today because he is the light of the world, a light in the darkness. The darkness represents our brokenness and that can be a lot of things, right? I mean darkness can be sin, heartache, depression, fear, disappointment, addictions, hatred, COVID, so much more. So much more that it can be. And as you know, there's a lot of darkness in our world every year. But 2020, we see it prominently in our part of the world. There's a lot of darkness indeed. But just as a single flame can illuminate a lot in a darkened room, So in the same way, the birth of Christ brought a ray of hope to a dark world. You know, in a lot of manger depictions and nativities, uh, paintings or or drawings, they have a light from heaven usually beaming down right on the stable and the manger. And that may be more symbolic than anything. Some people portray the Christmas star that the wise men followed being there, pointing the way to the manger And isn't it ironic that this year we have Jupiter and Saturn aligning almost perfectly, so we have kind of a Christmas star, the first one like it in 800 years. Now, of course, we don't know what the Christmas star actually was on that first Christmas, if it was an alignment of planets, a special star, or an angel. We don't know, and it really doesn't matter. But in the depictions, I think it's symbolic also of the hope that Jesus brings, a light shining in the darkness, a light that the darkness cannot overcome. The light of Christ gives us forgiveness, comfort, joy, confidence, encouragement, purpose, love, and so much more. And once we receive the light of Christ, once we experience the saving power of Jesus, we don't just go back to living our lives, oh no, We have a responsibility to carry the light with us and to shine it in the dark places in our world. This is what the shepherds did. They experienced Jesus, then they told others, and then they returned to their daily lives. But I doubt they continued as they were before. I bet they continued to let their light shine. And we must do the same. And I hope that you will humbly accept God's call, that even though we can't light the candles in the sanctuary of the church like we would usually do, That's okay, because we can shine the light of Christ every single day of our lives. We don't need a candlestick with a plastic holder in our hands to do that. We don't need to be in a crowd of people lighting up candles. Is it special? Yes, it certainly is. But it's also just a symbol. It's an important symbol, but it's a symbol of a reality living within us, that we have the light of Christ within us because Jesus lives within us through this Holy Spirit. So in a way, we are the light of Christ. We are called to be light bearers. And that has very little to do with holding a candle at a Christmas Eve service. As important, as meaningful as that is, it is a symbol of what we are called to do every day. And I hope you will accept Humbly accept God's calling, that you will experience the light of Christ this Christmas and then take the light of Christ with you and let it shine in the dark areas of your world. For indeed, we have good news to share. Amen. God bless and have a Merry Christmas.